This podcast has been commissioned by the Orchestra of the Swan as part of its Earth Cycle environmental project, looking at the impact of humanity on nature in the UK, and it's in partnership with the Stratford Literary Festival. Hello, I'm Madeline. In the next 15 minutes, we're going to be journeying across space and time to think about how our planet is changing and what that means for us. You can listen sitting down, lying on the floor or even standing up, as long as you're not going to bump into anything. As we go, I'm going to give your teacher, parent or adult in charge a chance to pause so you can talk about your thoughts and ideas. But perhaps you'll just want to think quietly to yourself. So, let's go. Close your eyes and picture the whole of the planet Earth in front of you. The glistening dark blue of the vast oceans, filled with an astonishing array of creatures, from the smallest microscopic plankton to the huge Antarctic blue whale gliding and diving deep below the surface. This ultramarine environment is interspersed with the rugged outlines of the continents, green and brown with mountains rising up from deserts and icy landscapes into the wisps of white clouds that are slowly twirling above. Flashes of lightning dance across the sky. Can you believe that every city, every person, every mammal, every insect, every ant, every plant is right there on that tiny, fragile marble dangling in the emptiness of space with just the moon for company? Even Mercury, our closest planet in the solar system, is tens of millions of kilometres away. You know, the Earth didn't always look like it does today. In fact, it wasn't even always there. Our planet came into being about 4.54 billion years ago. It can be hard to imagine quite how long 4.54 billion years is. Stick your arm out, palm side up. If your chin is when the Earth formed, the first evidence we have for life beginning is 3.5 billion years ago, when fossils of microscopic microbes turn up, and that is around your shoulder. The first plants and animals, more complex life forms made up of many different cells, didn't evolve for a really, really long time. We're going from your shoulder all the way down to your wrist. Then, in the middle of your palm, things really get going. Vegetation and large beasts begin to roam the land and seas. But the dinosaurs don't arrive until well after halfway up your middle finger. Flowers don't even evolve until the centre of your fingerprint. And Homo sapiens, that's us modern humans, don't show up until the final fraction of the tip of your fingernail. The whole of human history, from the Great Pyramids of Giza to the very first smartphone, 
can be wiped out with a single swish of a nail file. All through that time, the Earth has been changing. At first, very slowly. And then faster and faster and faster. Life forms have come and gone. And there have been extraordinarily cataclysmic events that have transformed the environment. I'll show you. Close your eyes again. We're headed back 252 million years to the end of a time called the Permian period. It's a spot in the middle of your middle finger. Here we are. It's hard to know exactly where we've landed because at this point, all of Earth's landmass was stuck together in one giant supercontinent called Pangaea. I think it used to be quite swampy here, but recently the Earth has been heating up. Now we seem to be in a warm, dry forest. There's lots of insects buzzing around and lots of ferns on the floor. And as far as the eye can see, enormous trees, a bit like palm trees, with huge trunks heading off into the sky, topped with a fluffy head of leaves. Actually, maybe that one is a conifer. Ooh, can you see the beetles boring a hole? It certainly looks prehistoric. <gasps> Stay still. I can definitely hear something coming our way. What is that? It's like a mix between a reptile and a mammal. You know, I think it might be one of our very distant ancestors, the Cynodont. Look, we can't stay here too long because in just a few million years, nearly everything is going to go extinct. Violent volcanic eruptions are spewing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, heating the earth and acidifying the oceans. It's going to wipe out more than 90% of marine species and more than 70% of the animals on land. Some things are going to make it through, including a few mammal ancestors. And this giant wipeout is going to make evolutionary space for the dinosaurs, which really flourished, at least until they met their own sticky end. Right, before we get wiped out, let's go back to the present day. So, the Earth's atmosphere has been filled with carbon dioxide before, and the results of that weren't great. They didn't call this period the Great Dying for nothing. Today, it's not volcanoes causing the trouble. It's us, humans. We're burning fossil fuels that emit greenhouse gases, which trap heat from the sun in the atmosphere and turn up the temperature. And we're doing it extraordinarily quickly. Our species is incredibly powerful. You could call us a geological superpower. 
in the relatively short time we've been here, that minuscule tip of your fingernail, we've managed to make the Earth more than one degree hotter on average. It doesn't sound like much, but it has a gargantuan impact on the weather and the environment. And it's not just that either. We've made all kinds of changes to our planetary home. We've thrown plastic everywhere, chopped down a lot of trees, cleared land of its natural wilderness and filled it back up with millions of cows and chickens and spilled our sewage into the ocean. We've managed to totally remodel our environment, so much so that scientists have decided to call the most recent period in Earth's history the Anthropocene. The Anthropocene is the time when human activities became the most significant force on our climate and environment. Time to pause. Can you think of any other ways humans have impacted the planet? You know, every way we alter the environment is important because it affects the Earth's ecosystems. Each part of the planet has its own ecosystem, big to small, from swathes of Saharan desert to tiny rock pools on a beach in the Bahamas. These are delicately balanced interactions between the landscape, the weather, mammals, birds, insects, plants, fungi, even bacteria. You can think of them like a spider's web of interconnected threads. Each thread depends on the others. Let's go to a wood in the present to see how an ecosystem works. As you walk through a woodland, it might be difficult to spot all the different parts of the ecosystem, but you just need to look carefully. Underneath your feet, earthworms in the soil devour bits of old decaying plants like leaves and branches and turn them into useful nutrients. As they wiggle around, the worms also create channels and structures in the soil, and these help the plants to suck up the nutrients they need. Above the ground, the trees, which depend on the soil, provide habitats and food for hungry insects. Those insects are food for birds, who make their nests amongst the branches. As the birds fly around, their droppings disperse seeds from berries they've eaten. Seeds which depend on landing in healthy soil to start the cycle off again. Can you think of any other plants or animals in this kind of woodland ecosystem? Can you explain how they depend on each other? Hopefully you can see how all the different parts of the ecosystem are interdependent and important. We need to learn how to care for our ecosystems and help keep them in balance. From the worms beneath our feet to the birds soaring above us in the sky. What are your favourite plants and animals that you want to look after? The thing is, humans aren't separate from the environment. We're part of the big web of nature too. We depend on the natural world for food. We need the bees and flies and moths to pollinate the plants that grow the fruit and vegetables we eat. 
We need clean water in rivers and lakes to drink. The air we breathe depends on trees. We use nature for medicine, for housing, for clothes we wear. It makes us happy too. Think about hearing birdsong or playing in a field. It is pretty nice. Can you come up with some of the ways that you're connected to nature? So, here we are, billions of years into the Earth's long history, at another point of tremendous change. I don't know about you, but I definitely do not want humans to go extinct like all those species from the Permian period millions of years ago. Luckily, the one thing our species is very good at is transformation and doing it quickly. We've changed the planet, which means we can do it again, this time to make it more green, more sustainable and more wild. There's plenty of people out there already working on how we can best take care of our amazing planet and everything on it. Next time, we're going to find out about some of the ways we can make a difference in our own lives. In the meantime, here's a challenge for you. Spend one hour this week in nature. It might be in a garden, in the park, or a nearby wood. But make sure you touch stuff, smell things, listen carefully to everything you can hear. And you never know you might see something new. This podcast was written and produced by me, Madeline Finlay. I've also written a book called Beatles for Breakfast, all about the weird and wonderful science and technology that could help us live more environmentally friendly lives in the future. And the sound design of this podcast was done by Leo Clark.